Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I uh, want us to turn to the book of 2 Kings. I've spent the vast majority of the day just reading and various things. The Bible, of course, part of that, but... um, reading over a lot of different things and my mind is just just kind of reminiscing about a lot of things and I just want you to take a journey with me tonight. Would you do that? Every now and then at home we have goulash. I, I think the end result of the reason why is you can't decide what to fix so you just throw a bunch of things together and you may leave here tonight thinking we had goulash, but just going to throw a different things in the pot and pray that the Spirit of the Lord will anoint it to our mind. The book of Second Kings 6 and 24 through 30, very startling, very alarming passage of Scripture, has always challenged me personally on more than one front, and I have preached from it and taught from it, spoke from it countless times. But there's still such a powerful message here until it's one that we can ill afford to ignore. Book of 2 Kings 6 and 24. And it came to pass after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman saith unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today. We will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. Now what a dilemma. What a dilemma. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of this woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Amen. I want to... Uh, just talk to you this evening from this thought, the difference between feast and famine. The difference between feast and famine. Lord, I thank you tonight for the privilege to stand before such an incredible church, such a great congregation. And I ask you, God, to anoint this word to my mind. Your word is anointed, but I pray that you'll just anoint it to us that I might be able to speak, Lord, 
and that there in this house would be those that would hear and embrace and plant the seed of hope and truth into the soil of our heart and we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus name amen you can be seated amen I have often talked about the difference that we see in this particular passage of scripture the Bible says that the king of Syria gathered a host against Samaria and the Bible says that he besieged it. The word besieged is not the same thing as attack. He did not attack them, but he besieged them. And and, um, what is meant by that simply is that instead of going in, tearing down gates and walls and burning houses and killing children and families, that they just set up round about the city and they cut off all supplies coming in and anything going out. And so when you read the word besieged in the scripture, it speaks of separating you from the source. And it's not long after you're separated from the source until you begin to feel the effects of that. There's a lot of things that we're taking for granted even right now, this evening. We're taking for granted running water and electricity that's lighting this building and air conditioning system that's cooling the building. And uh, it doesn't take long. We're pretty accustomed around here to the power going out. And it doesn't take long when the power goes out to just realize how cut off you are from so many, many things. Um, There's probably some here that would confess that when the power has gone out, you maybe have even thought about just turning on the fan so that at least that wouldn't... (laughs) I didn't mean to blindside you like that, but it's just funny how we think. The air is not working, but let's turn the fan on. Then all of a sudden, that great big duh moment when you realize that we are really cut off from the source. It doesn't matter what you own at that point. It doesn't matter how many gadgets you have, how many trinkets you have, because you've been cut off from the source. It stops the inflow and the outflow. And that is exactly what the enemy wants to do to the church. He wants to cut off the life source so that if nothing can flow in, It just becomes obvious in a matter of time, nothing can then flow out. The Bible says there was a great famine in the land. And there were and are signs of famine that I believe that we can relate to in our own lives spiritually. As for the signs of famine, I I just want to talk about a few of these and I, I know this is a pretty startling passage of scripture, but when we read this, it really ought to shake us. I think that's why it's there. I don't think this is an easy reading part of the Bible, but it's a pretty shocking, pretty hard to wrap our minds around it. The Bible said that they begin to buy and sell and even partake and eat things that you wouldn't ordinarily think about. It wouldn't even cross your mind. But you got to understand they were besieged. This was not an ordinary day. The Bible said that a donkey's head would sell for 80 pieces of silver. And that can represent a lot of things, a whole lot of things. A donkey is one of the most stubborn animals that 
you'll ever encounter. But the Bible says they were eating it, eating it. And when you have the spirit of a donkey or a stubborn spirit, a stubborn state of mind, a stubborn frame of mind, that's a sign of spiritual famine. I want the Lord to be able to operate in my heart and in my life. But in order for that to happen, I've got to relinquish myself to his will and his desire and not mine. And so I, I can't have a spirit of stubbornness my way and then really accomplish anything of any kingdom consequence. And it's, it's in the nature of flesh to want our will, our way. And so that's why you even find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying as the realization of what was about to unfold in his own life. The realization of all of that comes into focus and, and his flesh cries, take this cup from me. But the victory of his spirit, the victory came when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. The spirit and the word of God does not produce stubbornness in our life, but rather the word of God and the spirit of God produces sensitivity in our life. I want to be sensitive to the spirit of God. And, and I know that, that many things that could be mentioned here tonight are things that have been said countless times from thousands and thousands of pulpits, but the spirit of the Lord as Elisha proved, does not always speak to us through thunderer. And he does not always move in lightning. But sometimes it's just the still, small voice of the Lord, that small prompting of God, just that hint of his spirit. And I, I've got to be sensitive then to his spirit. I've, um, I don't think this is a, a quality, I'm sure this is not a quality that I'm proud of, but I'm not a person that can take hints you can't hint to me about something. You, we we got to talk about it. Uh, you hint to me, I got a deer in the headlight look, and it's not pretend. It's all the way there. And so uh, <laughs> I, I, I say that on purpose. I, I, the Lord, I've, I, because of that, that's my nature. I have to really pray about things like that because I don't want to miss the Spirit of God. I've got to be... Very, because I know that's a weakness. I've got to take that as a real matter of prayer with God because I don't want to, I don't want to miss the, the gentle hand of God or that nudge of God or that prompting of the Lord. I want to be sensitive to that. The spirit of, of stubbornness depletes us from our ability to, to, to be restored or our ability to be renewed because sometimes the Lord requires things of us. And sometimes God requires things of us that frankly don't really make a lot of sense in our human rationale. The Lord will move many times. He, he moved in Naaman's life and, and the way he moved in Naaman's life was to dip seven times in Jordan's River and that didn't make any more sense then than it makes to us now. And so the Lord said, this is what I would have you to do. And, and, uh, and so I've got to be sensitive to what the Spirit of the Lord would speak to me. I don't want to partake of the donkey's head. I don't want to partake of the spirit of stubbornness per se, but I want to be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord. The second unthinkable thing that we see here is the selling of dove's dung, and, and that is a literal, that is, a, that is literally what the Bible is talking about. That may seem a little strange, but I think the spiritual application here is that, that we find 
in the New Testament that the Spirit of God was likened to a dove. And uh, I'm not trying to be crass here this evening, but when we think about dove's dung, that's not where the dove is, that's just where the dove was. Amen. And so I don't want to dwell where the Spirit of God was. I want to dwell where the Spirit of the Lord is. And, and I, I, I pray that the Spirit of God would help me to understand the, the peril of spiritual famine. And I, I don't want my focus to be on what God has done in my past. But I want my focus to be what God can do now and in the future. I'm very thankful for every move of God that I've ever experienced in my life. But I can't live off of that. I can build on it and I can build from that, but I can't live off of that. And uh, I'm thankful for where I have been and I'm thankful for where I am now, but I I don't want to just get caught up with where I used to be with God or how the Lord used to move and things of that nature. I'm thankful for the testimonies that we have, but I don't want to celebrate yesterday so much that that becomes my today. I'm not really sure why, but uh, a, a few months ago, back in June, my wife and I celebrated our 33rd wedding anniversary, and I, I'm not really sure why we've done that in times past, but this year we pulled out our wedding albums, and, and uh, we went through those albums, and we began to reminisce about a lot of things, and it just brought back a lot of memories. That's not an annual event for us, although we have done it before. But as we began to look not just at us, but we began to look about all the people that were at the wedding and different things of that nature. As a matter of fact, some of the pictures were so small we had to get a magnifying glass out and a flashlight. And uh, that's because the pictures were small. <laughs> those little tiny people. I don't know who invited all those tiny people to our wedding, but I'm glad they showed up. But as we began to to look through the magnifying glass, literally, at some of those pictures and and, and, and remember who those people were. It just brought back a lot of memories. And, and in one conversation leads to another, to another, to another. And there's been a lot of good memories. And we've had a, a lot of fun times in, last, in the last 33 years or so. But, but you know what? If we just put all of our hope in there, if we put all our hope there, a lot of those people that were there are not even alive today. And so I can't build my relationships with them. They're not even here. And so I've got to build my future on today and tomorrow. I've got to build my future on what God is going to do. And so I'm, I'm thankful for our past and I'm thankful for every one of those memories. But what I'm looking forward to is making some more memories. I'm sure somewhere through the years I've had to share this story, but nevertheless, it is nonetheless true. Many years ago, we were preaching a revival in, and uh, would be Northwest Georgia, I suppose, and and uh, there was a man who's, uh, ironically enough, pastored, uh, there was a church, uh, a man had a syndicated radio show. <laughs> I would often listen to it, an AM radio station back in those days. And, and uh, when I realized, one day when I was riding around town or riding through the community with the pastor, I saw a sign with that, that uh, city name on it announcing so many miles away. And, and I told him, I said, I didn't realize we were that close to, to that town. I said, I recognize that because I recognize the, the, the pastor's name and the church and things of that nature. And, 
And I started telling him, now this has been at least 25 years ago, be, be longer than that, maybe 26, 7 years ago. And um, I said, you know, I listen to him every day on the radio. And, and, and this pastor, of course, being from that community, told me something. He said, you know that that man has been dead for years. And he said that their church, well, this is just, just almost hard for me to wrap my little brain around this. But he said, for years this church has gathered and they listened to cassette recordings because this is prior to video of this man preaching. And they have done that for years. Not one or two, for years. Now, I, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just going to let that marinate just a little bit. But I believe we're talking about people that have all of their hopes and dreams in what had happened and where God had been. And so I say, Lord, in, in your name, help me. I want to have fond memories of where we've been. I want to thank the Lord for every, every valley we walk through, every mountaintop that we've experienced, every trial that we've been through and every trial or everything that we've conquered in our life. But if it happened yesterday, it is just that. It, that's yesterday's news. And I want to build my hopes and my dreams on what God can do today. I want to know what the Lord would have for me to do today and what would he have for us to do tomorrow. I don't want to talk about what the Lord used to do. Amen. And just build my life around that. I mean, I'm thankful for the memories. Some people's testimonies, again, are just nothing more but a celebration of where they have been but I want my, the other half of my testimony to be not just where I've been, but where we are going. The next thing the king hears is a woman call out in, in absolute desperation, and she says, help me. And, and of course, I think you even hear in his reply, his spirit is depleted, his hope, his hope is gone, and he is the king. And he said, if the Lord doesn't help you, then how can I help you? And this is before he even knows what's going on in her life. She just said, help me, O king. And he said, if the Lord doesn't help you, how can I help you? And then he said, can I help you from the barn floor or can I help you from the wine press? And then, then she begins to explain to him what's going on about two women who agreed to just eat their children and what, what a terrible, terrible position to be put in. He said, the barn floor, how can I help you from the barn floor? It, it's empty. Or how can I help you from the wine press because it's dry? The barn floor was where the wheat was kept. And so if the barn floor was empty, that meant there had been no harvest. And if the wine press was empty, then that meant that there had been no harvest again of grapes. And, and so the wine, there is no harvest being brought in. There's nothing here. There's nothing that we can draw from. And I, I'm telling you, I want the Spirit of God always to be present. I know that every service is going to have its own complexion and every service is going to have its own personality and I didn't come tonight expecting, I want you to understand what I'm about to say, but I didn't come tonight expecting just a repeat of Sunday. This is another day, another hour. We're, we're a few more miles down the road from where we are. I appreciate what the Lord did in our mid-Sunday, but I didn't come to try to to just hold on to that and build all my hopes and dreams upon uh, just a few hours ago because we need, we need some fresh wine tonight. We needed a fresh touch from the Lord. We need to touch God here and now. 
A lot of things have happened since Sunday in our lives. And so the wine press was empty. <laughs> they were not just eating donkeys' heads and doves' dung, but they were literally willing to eat and uh, kill and eat their children. And what a terrible thing. And and uh, not to just belabor that issue, but I think what really happens when, when a church goes into a spiritual depression or a spiritual famine, I promise you it will cost you the next generation. Amen. You, you, we may not literally eat them, but we may literally devour them. We may devour their hope. And so this is not just about us. This is not just about me. This is not just about here and now. And I, I'm not trying to glamorize things because things change. I'm thankful for this building. I, I have a, a lot of memories here in this building. You have a lot of memories here in this building. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost right here in the front of this church, but I don't want that memory to be the very thing that causes me to make this so sacred that I can't move on to what God wants to do next. Amen. And so, you know, I think about a lot of times I've heard people refer to the tabernacle in Ocala, the old tabernacle, and uh, which was actually the second tabernacle. The one we refer to as the old one is the second tabernacle. But I've heard many people talk about, uh, I remember one man in particular was talking about, I received the Holy Ghost right there at that second pole. Amen. Well, I'm thankful that, that he didn't chain his life to that second pole because there was a lot of moving and a lot of growing and a lot of expanding, a lot of things to do in the future. So I don't want to tether myself to that, that proverbial second pole. I don't want to rob another generation of what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in their life. And so as the famine goes on and on, it's not just a famine of natural things, but it's a famine of the Word. And when there is a famine of the Word and a famine of the Spirit in a church, when you get people together and there's no spirit there. The only thing left to do is turn on one another. Amen. And so I say, Lord, don't, don't let us do that. But let's remember Paul's admonition when he said to the Galatians, he said, don't consume one another by biting and devouring one another. But he said, walk in the spirit. And so that's what I want to do is walk in the spirit. If I get busy walking in the spirit, I won't have time to get caught up in all that other nonsense. I just want to walk in the spirit. The book of 2 Kings 7, chapter 7, verse 1. And Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. In the gate of Samaria. Then, the Bible says, A Lord on whose hand the king leaned. And this was a, a man close to the king, a man that was assigned to him to help him, to be right there with him. The Bible says, A Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Or in other words, how in the world? What are you talking about? Have you lost your mind? I mean, if the Lord made windows in heaven, you think that would even be possible? And this is the answer from Elisha. How alarming. He said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. 
What a sad thing. He said, because of your doubt and unbelief, here is your sentence. You're gonna live long enough to see tomorrow and you're gonna see that what I just said is gonna come to pass but you're not gonna be able to partake of all of that. I'm gonna tell you something. There, there, there is something to be said about a negative and a cynical spirit and attitude. That's far more damning than we might ever dare imagine. Amen. I, I wanna be very, very careful what I, I allow to come in my mind, but I wanna be even more cautious about what I allow to come out of my lips. Amen, I, I, I may have a hard time understanding what the spirit of the Lord is trying to reveal. I may have a hard time wrapping my mind around the, the promises of God, but I'm gonna tell you that God's word is yea and amen. I remember standing in a conference one time, and I'm, I'm not trying to sensationalize anything, but I remember standing in a conference one night and, and uh, we were out of state in a big, in a big coliseum and, and I was down on, the, on this side of the platform right toward the end of the service and, and uh, there was a, a man that I have a lot of confidence in. He's already passed on now but, but uh, he walked over to me and the Lord used him mildly in the gifts of the Spirit. Now he didn't, now he didn't, uh, he didn't just make that his whole ministry but the Lord did use him from time to time and, 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 uh, and so he spoke something into my life that night and he said, the Lord told me to tell you this, that in six months, something's gonna happen in your life. And he was pretty specific about it. And I couldn't imagine that taking place in just six months. But I promise you before God that six months to the day, what that man said was gonna happen, happened. And so I, I couldn't imagine it standing there that night. I could not even wrap my mind around that. Amen. So I had doubt in my mind. I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that. I hope you don't see that negatively, but I couldn't imagine that coming to pass. I couldn't see all the obstacles that would have to change or all the things that would have to change in order for that to happen. But you know what? God knew exactly what he was talking about. And I was so very thankful that even though I couldn't get my mind wrapped around, at least I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> Amen. I just feel a spirit of boldness to say if you can't comprehend it, at least shut up. And that's not even the word we use. Amen. But if you can't comprehend it, at least don't speak against it. Because what might happen when you speak against it is the only person you rob from it is you. And so he said, I can't even see how this would happen if God opened the windows of heaven. So he said, well, I'll tell you what. You'll live to see it, but you, you, you'll, live, you'll live to see it and, and you'll live long enough to smell it baking in the oven, but you'll never eat it. Amen, I say, Lord, help me today. I, I don't wanna just see it. <laughs> Moses had a see it experience. I don't want just a see it experience. I wanna partake of it. I wanna step in Jordan's river. I wanna walk across on dry land, amen. And then the complexion of, every, of everything changes. It, the Bible says in verse three, without any warning, and there were four lepers men in the gate and they said to one another why sit here do we die if we say we will enter the city then the famine is in the city and we shall die there and if we sit here we die also now therefore come let us fall into the host of the Syrians if they save us alive we shall live if they kill us we shall but die we've got nothing to lose <laughs> nothing to lose that's one thing about being on the bottom of the bottom 
<laughs> I mean, you, you've already lost it all. So what's throwing everything in? Elisha's given a word that famine was gonna be over the next day. Tomorrow, he said. His right-hand man says, I don't even think that could happen. But there were four leprous men that God was about to, to, to use. Amen. God was going to use them. The Bible says, sitting outside of the gate of Samaria. Now, if we do this geographically, they were closer to the enemy than anybody. They were outside of the gate. They were already outsiders. They were already beggars. They were already depending on the goodwill of people to even live, to be sustained. And the famine of the city had no doubt made it hard on them. And so a discussion arose among them, and I know this is a familiar, well-worn path for most of you, but they said, why sit here until we die? Our inactivity is not just going to affect us, but it will affect others. And so I say, why sit here until we die? And if we don't do something, that not only are we going to die, but others around us are going to die. And so we have to rise and do something to make a difference. And so I've talked many times about moving out on that maybe. It just maybe, just maybe that we'll, we'll have some hope. But if nothing else, we'll just die there instead of dying here. And they decided, let's go toward the enemy. What a, what a thought. And if they save us, we'll live. And if they kill us, we're just gonna die anyway. So these men had nothing to lose. And I, I believe that to some degree that's what God is looking for is people that understand we've got nothing to lose. And we've got everything to gain by just putting our trust and confidence in God. And Amen. And, and, and uh, we can't just sit idly by and expect that God is just gonna pour out his blessings up upon us it just that's just not how it happens we know the parable of the talents and and to whom was given the most and and to the man who did the most with what God had given him he got the the residual benefit of the of those that had done the least and so I say we must do something let's not just stand idly by but let's do something let's propagate the gospel somehow let's reach who we can let's 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 do what we can in the process not only are we casting seed on the ground I remember Brother Rayleigh talking about that when the swelling of Jordan's River, that, that water carried that seed into places that, that man could have never otherwise gone. But when the water receded, the seed was already there. And so that's what we're doing as a church. And, and I know sometimes we may ask ourselves, well, why are we involved in this ministry? And why are we involved in that ministry? What we're doing is we're doing something. And I promise you, doing something is always better than doing nothing. And so we're casting seed on the ground. But here's what I'm confident of. It's not us and not our ability, not our talent, not, not our strength and shoulders. But what I am confident of is the word of God. And so when you cast the seed of hope and when you cast the word of truth, you're never wasting time. You're never just marching in place, but you are planting the seed of hope in someone's life that we may or may never know about the, the end result of that. But God, God is going to bless those that say, you know what? 
what? If we sit here, we're gonna die. And if we do this, we may die anyway, but let's do something. Let's try. Let's knock this door. Let's shake this. Let's, let's try this. And, and whatever happens, happens. Amen. I can't just sit idly by. And so we can't become so inwardly focused that, that our, or nor can we keep celebrating where God has brought us from or celebrating our past. We're gonna have to march forward, even if forward is into the enemy's camp. Amen. Gotta realize that if we're gonna survive, then we just can't sit back and hope. Amen. The lepers didn't know the word of the Lord. I think that's very important. They didn't know that a word had been declared that deliverance was coming. They just moved. They just moved. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they did know this. I'm going to do everything within my power to see if I can't make something come to pass. And so that's what we must do. How do we know that God hasn't already declared deliverance? (laughs) How do you know that God hasn't already gone ahead and unlocked the door until you try it and see and and so how, how, how are they ever going to discover that, that, the, that the famine has ended unless we march forward? How, how do we know that God doesn't have something great in store? And how will we ever know unless we move by faith and invade the strongholds of the enemy? The Bible says in 2 Kings 7 and 5, and they arose in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. They arose up in the twilight. They didn't even wait for full light. They just moved at twilight. When the lepers moved towards Syria and got to the uttermost part of the camp, the Bible says in verse 5 that there was no man there. While they were stepping out in faith, this is in your Bible, as their weak, leprous feet shuffled forward, the Lord caused the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and horses and a great host. (laughs) It was just four men. Not only were they lepers, but they had been trying to survive a famine. We're not talking about four men high-fiving each other on the way, but we're talking about two men shuffling Alone, trying to make their way. But the Lord caused the enemy to hear something much, much different than shuffling feet in the sand. He heard the noise, or they heard the noise of chariots and horses and a great host. And they, the Bible says, began to flee. And when they left, they left their tents, they left their possessions, they left their animals, they fled for their lives. And the lepers came in. And the lepers took all of their spoil, their possessions and their goods, and God brought an end to the famine because four men said, I think we ought to. The enemy hates to hear the footsteps of faith. Some obstacles and hindrances and situation and enemies would probably move if we would move. When faith moves, fear is removed. Signs of famine would end if steps of faith would just but go forward. 
God will have a people to move one way or another. He's always spared a, a remnant if he had to. If I have to just start over again, I'll start over again. They might have been lepers. They might have been the most unlikely leaders to an army of victory. But they moved because they said we have no other choice but to move. The revelation that these leopards had, these leopards had was not how great their God was nor how terrible their situation was. They just saw their situation as this. We're to a point that we must do something. And so they did something as our musicians come. Notice though, they didn't seek to solve their own problems with their own hands. They just moved by faith. And God used their faith-filled activity to bring deliverance. Now, I'm not suggesting that you just bat the air to bat the air. I'm not suggesting that you swing in the dark for the sake of swinging in the dark. But I do believe that starting with something is better than sitting static. It's not a secret. But sometimes when the 10 o'clock hour comes on a Sunday morning, there are some Sundays that the singers and musicians don't feel like singing and playing. But you just start. You, you, gotta, you have to start. And as they start by faith, and there's been many, many times that you didn't feel like coming to church, but you, you came on anyway. It's just something about starting. God began to empower you and, and infuse you with strength. And so the difference between feast and famine is just one thing. That's faith. Faith. Why sit we here till we die? So I don't want to miss God's deliverance. I want to see what God will do. I want to test. I want to try because he admonished us to. And I believe that God can bless the barn floor and I believe that he can fill up the wine press. Well, all he needs is just somebody to shuffle their feet forward. I'm glad he doesn't require of us all the time to be at our best. <laughs> Always be mighty men of God, mighty women of God. Sometimes we're, we're just down to nothing. And our prayers are prayers more of real desperation than anything else. But it was that faith that God honored and it was their movement that God honored. And so I can't sit and die. I've got to say, Lord, let me get up and at least start moving toward you. And so I challenge every person in this building tonight to rise up. Say, I don't have a lot of strength. That's all right. Walk forward. I don't know how far I can get. That's all right. Just, just shuffle a few steps forward and see what happens. And let the Spirit of God touch us. Can we stand together? In Jesus' name. Lord, I love you today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.